0: Thank you, Brother Wilson. Good morning, Metropolitan Baptist Church. It's a blessing to be back in Sydney, despite the weather. Uh, thank you for your prayers for us while we were in Queensland. Those of you who were here on Wednesday night, I shared a longer testimony, so I won't take up time this morning. But uh, most of all, I'd just like to thank you for your prayers for us. And uh, we are packing by faith. Not sure exactly when we will leave, but uh, we trust the Lord. And please pray that uh, the borders will open next month and that our visa will be approved. So, there there are two things. And then thirdly, that Australia will allow us to leave. So, uh, three miracles that God is well able to do. Amen. And we know He's a God of miracles. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4, please, this morning. Revelation chapter number 4. Thank you for being here. And if you have a Bible, please... Look carefully with me this morning. If you don't, please share with the person next to you, Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1, a very important verse in this book and in the Bible, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. And I trust that you're prepared to open your heart to God's Word and to be encouraged and yes, even challenged by what the Lord has for us this morning Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. Please read with me aloud as we begin. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. Ready? After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious Word of God. Lord, we thank you for your promises that are such a comfort to us in times of uncertainty, in times of personal trial and affliction, in times of, uh, Lord, uncertainty of the future. Lord, if we look around us, we can be easily moved. But as we come back to your word this morning, Father, help us to ground our faith in thee and the promises of your word. Lord, help us to look up by faith with expectation and great hope. Lord, help us to comfort one another with these things this morning. And Lord, I do pray if there's anyone present here today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. Lord, that this day would be the day that they choose to repent of their sins and receive the gift of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we pray for Pastor as he seeks to minister to his family and please bless him and his wife. Our thoughts go with them and we pray that you would be glorified in their midst this morning and this day. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, maybe this illustration refers more to men than anyone else, but have you ever tried to button up a shirt and you get all the way down to the last button and you realise there's no uh, button to put a hole in? And if you have a little boy like I do, you might... uh, know of the frustration of bending over and and maybe like us, you're rushing up to church on a Sunday morning and trying to button up a little shirt and you get right down to the bottom and you realise that something has gone wrong and uh, you've messed it up. So, what do you do? Well, you work your way back up to the top and realise that what went wrong happened right at the beginning. Well, if the right button isn't placed in the right hole then you're in trouble. And whatever you do, things will never turn out right. Now, the same is true of this book in the Bible, the book of the Revelation. In fact, if you don't understand chapter 4 and verse 1, it doesn't matter what you do with the rest of the chapters, you'll be out of step and you'll miss and confuse issues throughout the rest of the book. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 is a very important verse in this very important book. And we're going to look at this verse this morning. And uh, before we get into the main points, just by way of introduction, why is this verse in this special book so important? Well, first of all, it is a verse of transition. Just by introduction, notice the first two words of verse 1. Look with me there, please. The Bible says... After this. Now, notice the last words of this verse. The Bible says, hereafter. Now, in the original language, in the Greek, it is exactly the same word. After this and hereafter. Now, this is not the first time in the book of the Revelation that you read of these words. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. Where do we see these words previously? Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. Here John is commanded to write three things. Verse 19, Write the things which thou hast seen, write the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Here in chapter 1 and verse 19, we have God's outline for the book of the Revelation. Look at verse 19, Write the things which thou hast seen. That represents the present. Revelation chapter 1 speaks about the glorified, risen Christ. Christ is not hanging on the cross this morning. Amen? Christ has risen from the dead. He has ascended and He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ is glorified and He is worthy to be praised. Revelation chapter 1 is the present. Back in verse 19, write the things which are. That refers to chapters 2 and 3 which describe the time from the apostles to the end of the church age. Those letters are written to the churches of that day and they also refer to churches present today. That is the present age, Write The things which are. Then, verse 19, and the things which shall be hereafter. That refers to the future, to the point of events that will occur, occur after the church age has ended. Now, back in Revelation 4 and verse 1, Why is this verse important? Because it it signals a time of transition. It is a verse of transition. You see, after this verse, the church age saints are never mentioned as being on earth again. See, this is a verse of transition. As I said, if you... Don't understand this verse, you'll be out of step with the rest of the chapters to come. It is a wonderful verse. Chapters 4 and 5 in the book of the Revelation, we see where the saints are. They are not on earth, but they are standing before the very throne of God in heaven. They are worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ in His very presence. Revelation chapter 6 to 19 deals with the tribulation period. It deals with a time when God will pour out His wrath and His judgment upon an unrepentant world as He judges this sinful world and purifies His people Israel. So, Revelation 4 and verse 1 is a verse of transition into the future for the people of God. It is also a verse of typology. You see, the Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 4 that John was called to come up where? To come up hither, into the very presence of Christ. And so John becomes a type or a representative of the church age believer, the church age saints. This is what will happen to every born again Christian who is alive during the church age when Christ comes again. Jesus Christ will call his people to come up before the tribulation. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 51 and 52. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 51 and 52. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, a mystery is not something that God continues to hide from us or anyone else. When the Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery here in verse 51, it is something that was presently hidden, but now is revealed. What is that? We shall not all sleep. Not everyone will die in the church age, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. This event has come to be known among our day as the rapture of the saints, the catching away of all those who are born again Christians. That is a promise in the Bible. And you see, Revelation 4 and verse 1 is all about that glorious moment. It is all about the future and represents those of you who know Jesus Christ as Saviour. You see, John's experience represents the moment when the children of God, who are alive at His coming, will be caught up together to leave this world. We'll look at it later, but 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, as Christians, we are not going to go through the tribulation. Amen? No, we are going up to glorification. We are not looking for the Antichrist We are looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, that's why this verse is so important. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. The title of the message this morning is the Revelation of the Rapture. The Revelation of the Rapture. We are are going to look at the facts as described in this wonderful verse in the book of last things. Revelation 4 and verse 1. I trust you've turned back there with me, Revelation 4 and verse 1. Notice first of all the presence of a door, the presence of a door, verse number 1. And after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Now, verse number 1 describes a door having opened up and now is standing open in heaven. Now, we don't know what the door looked like, but we do know who the door is. John chapter 10 and verse 9, the Lord Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. My friends, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. He is the only one who can deliver us from the judgment that we deserve for our sins. You see, coming through these doors here in this church is not going to get you to heaven or any other church for that fact. Doing good works is not going to get you to heaven. No matter what you do, you cannot deliver yourselves from the judgment that we deserve for sin. You see, the only door of salvation from sin and thereby into heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Well, He's the only one who died for our sins on the cross. He is the only one that was buried and rose again from the dead to prove that our sins were paid for in the very act that He did and completed by shedding His holy, sinless blood to pay for your sins and mine. He is the only one. He is the only way. He is the door unto eternal life. John 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father But by me. Now, when it comes to the rapture, when the Lord calls those who are his own, when he calls his children to heaven, my friends, the door of salvation will close. You see, John saw a door. And at the rapture, the door of salvation will close. Does that mean that no one else will be saved from then on? No, that's not true. Millions will be saved in the tribulation, but those who have heard the gospel and have rejected it will believe the devil's lie and will not be saved. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Where does it say that in the Bible? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. And verse 11, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, if you do not walk through the door of salvation on earth, you will not be caught up through the door of the rapture into heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. My friend, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour? Well, you better make up your mind now before it's too late. Before Christ comes and the door is open for those who know Him as as Saviour and then it closes. An old-fashioned revival preacher would often say to those who he preached to, has Jesus delivered you from sin? Has he saved you? Now, many people in the congregation would say, yes, he has. Yes, he has. And then this old-time preacher would say, well, what has he saved you from? Has he only saved you from hell? Is that all he saved you from? And then he would challenge the people, has he saved you from your lust? Has he saved you from your bitterness? Come on, what has he saved you from? He would say. What has he saved you from? Has he saved you from your anger? Has he saved you from your disobedience to parents' children? What has he saved you from? You see, if the Lord Jesus Christ truly has saved us, he will continue to save us from the power of sin for the rest of our lives. That's the gospel listen, salvation isn't just a prayer where you grab a ticket to heaven and you're holding it, hoping that one day you'll get there or you've convinced yourself that you're saved. Salvation is the gift of eternal life, absolutely. But God continuing to work in your life to save you from... Pleasure in unrighteousness, according to verse 12, that's salvation. And if that's not happening in your life, you need to ask the hard question before the rapture happens, will you be left behind and will you be deceived into believing a lie? And you will not be saved. What a fearful thing. The worst thing, to be in church and to hear the gospel and have hardened your heart to convince yourself that you're saved when there's no evidence of salvation in your life, my friend, the door is still open. That's the good news. Jesus Christ is that door. If you're not sure where you would go if you died right now, or if Jesus Christ came right now, and you're not sure whether you'd go up to be with Him, my friend, the door is open. Jesus wants you to come to Him, to come to Him in repentance for your sin, to come to Him as Saviour from sin once and for all so that He would not be a ticket to heaven but that He would be the Lord of your life. Amen? And if that didn't, wasn't understood when you were a child, you understand it now today. Amen? Get saved before it's too late. Amen. John saw a door, a door of salvation. Notice he also saw a door of service. At the end of the book of the Revelation, the Bible says in verse 17 of chapter 22, "And the spirit and the bride say, "Come. The Holy Spirit is saying, "Come before it's too late. And the bride is saying, "Come." Well, one day the Lord Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, will come for his bride." Question, who is his bride?" the church age saints, amen? They are His bride, we are His bride, the Spirit and the bride say come. So, until the Lord Jesus comes, we are to tell others to do what? To come. Who should come? Well, according to the Bible, whosoever will may come, Amen. Everybody and anybody, no matter where they are, no matter what culture they grew up in, no matter what their religious background, is invited to come to the only one who can save them from their sins, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are a born-again Christian this morning, we have the job to tell them to come. To come to Him. Christian, who have you invited? Who have you invited to the Lord Jesus Christ recently? Now, please don't allow the current restrictions to stop you from telling others to come. You don't have to invite them to come to church. You could, absolutely. But have you invited anyone to come to Christ? What doors has God opened for you, Christian, recently? Maybe to workmates, maybe to friends, maybe to family. Who have you challenged to come to Christ before it's too late? Listen, Christ is standing at the precipice of eternity. He's standing right at the very edge. We are living in the very last days. No, we are not in the tribulation. These events are simply a small taste, a tiny grain of sand in a multitude of of events that will come one day nothing like what we're experiencing right now. We are not in the tribulation, but Christ is standing on the precipice of eternity. In the moment, in a, in a twinkling of an eye, we may be gone. Who are you telling to come? When I was in Harvey Bay, the hairdresser there and I were talking and he was cutting my hair. I like to talk to hairdressers when they're cutting your hair, as long as they don't have a razor blade in their hand. That's okay. So, no neck shaves for me, please. And... Uh, And so he's cutting my hair and I'm talking to him and we're talking about what's happening in the world. Listen, isn't that what everyone else is talking about? And I begin to tell him about Bible prophecy. I begin to tell him about what God says and how the Bible is true and about salvation. And he says to me, you know what? My sister and I were just talking about the Bible the other day. We were just talking about prophecy the other day. Wow, I wouldn't have thought that looking at him when I sat down but that's what was going through his mind. I wonder who else is thinking about their eternal existence right now. Well, we don't need to worry about that. We just need to tell them to come, amen, in the power of the Holy Spirit, a door of salvation and a door of service. Back in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, John saw a door. What about you this morning? You respond to the Word of God. Well, John saw a door back in chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice the next part of the verse. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Notice not only did John see a door, but he heard a trumpet. And it was the sound symbolically of a noise like that of a trumpet, piercing, loud and clear, that grabbed his attention. Now, interesting, in the Old Testament, trumpets were very important in the life of ancient Israel. There were many different types of trumpet blasts for a number of different reasons. Trumpets were blown, for example, as you know, when the Israelites were dwelling in tents, trumpets were blown to indicate the time to break camp and move. Trumpets were also blown to summon priests to the tabernacle. Trumpets were used to sound an alarm in a time of war or in danger. And trumpets were also blown and used during a shout of victory during battle. Well, it was very important for people to listen to the various trumpet blasts and the trumpeters needed to be careful to make the right sounds. Now, this verse tells us, does it not, that God will use a trumpet sound as a signal for His people, when it is time to come up hither. Look with me please in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and we'll stay there for a moment. First Thessalonians chapter 4, notice verse 16. Let's compare the scriptures together as we look at the revelation of the rapture. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Do you see that there? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 describes the trumpet at the rapture as the last trump. This is the trumpet blast, the last trump for the church age saints on earth. And praise God, one of these days, the trumpet blast will sound. Amen? And we will hear it just like John did loud and clear. And just like He was, we will be caught up to be with the Lord. We will come up hither and the saints will leave this world behind. You see, the moment we hear the Lord's voice, gravity will fall away and we will descend up, ascend up to the Lord and we will meet Him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. My friend, what a wonderful truth. We hear His voice, Here in verse number 1 of Revelation chapter 4, He has the power to command. Trumpets were used in the Old Testament to command. And this trumpet will be a call and a command for His people to come home. His voice has the power to command and His voice also has the power to raise. Notice verse number 16 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, not just a trumpet, but with a shout. Now, here's a wonderful truth. Three times in the Gospels, it's recorded that the Lord Jesus Christ gave a shout and every time he shouted, a resurrection occurred. Now, do you remember what he shouted, what he cried out at the tomb of Lazarus? What did he say? Lazarus, come forth. And as the old preacher used to say, if Christ did not use the name Lazarus, every single believer that was buried in those graves would have come forth all at the same time. And Lazarus did come forth. Now, do you remember for a moment what the Lord Jesus cried when He was on the cross? Just before He breathed His last breath, the Bible says Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. When you compare the Gospels, what was it that he cried? What was it? He said, It is finished. And those words mean paid in full. The payment was made once and for all for the sins of mankind. He cried, It is finished. It is done. The transaction has been made. Your sins have been paid for, my friend. There's no reason to die and go to hell this morning. There's no reason to leave this place not sure where you're going to spend eternity and the fear in the bottom of your stomach knowing that you are a sinner in the sight of a holy God, that you deserve His judgment, that you deserve to go to hell. There's no reason to leave this place believing that without receiving Him as Saviour because it is finished. That's what he cried out on the cross. But more so than that, the Bible says in Matthew 27:52, "And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and walked through the streets of Jerusalem after his resurrection." You see when Christ shouts, there is a resurrection. And so you see the first time he shouted one man arose. The second time he shouted, many arose. And the third time that he will shout, at the rapture, millions will arise. What a wonderful truth. Christ is going to call. Have a look in verse number 16. Whom will he call? The Bible says at the end of verse 16, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You see, when the Lord Jesus comes in the clouds, He will bring with Him all believers who have died. Their spirits are already in heaven with Christ. They're already with Him. They're already there, but their bodies will rise up from the grave and be transformed into a brand new glorified body and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who have trusted in Christ as Saviour are not sleeping in the ground. There's no such thing as soul sleep. No, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. So, we follow the Bible and not religious cults. Amen? And so, Christ will come with the saints who have died, they they will receive their new, new glorified bodies and then in verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Those believers and it could be you and I this morning, alive at the rapture will be caught up. The words caught up means to be seized away, means to be caught away and living Christians who have not died at the time of His coming will not see death but will go up, be caught up and be instantaneously transformed. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that this corruptible will put on incorruptible, amen? This mortal will put on immortality death will be swallowed up in victory. And so that trumpet blast, that glorious shout will be a shout of victory for the saints as we are called to come up hither. What a wonderful truth. Notice verse 17 and this is very important. We will meet the Lord where? In the air. We will be caught up together in verse 17, in the air, In the clouds. You see, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes at the rapture, listen carefully, he is not coming to the earth. He is coming for his saints, and we will meet him in the clouds. At the end of the tribulation, he is coming with his saints and down to the earth. These are two separate events in the one second coming of Jesus Christ. Two separate events. The rapture and at the end of the tribulation are two separate events. Be clear on that please. The power of his voice calls his people to come home and what a wonderful reality. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful joy for the born again Christian this morning. Christian, have you faced some difficulties recently? I'm sure you have. I'm sure you faced confusing times. I'm sure you faced a whole bunch of doubts and fears and worries at such a time as this. But the Lord doesn't want us to be worried. He doesn't want us to be fearful. He wants us to be excited. Amen. He wants us to to put our faith in this blessed hope. Amen. He wants us together as a church to comfort one another with, with these things. Christian, are you excited? The rapture could happen right now. Or right now. Or right now. Amen? I'm not being comical and repetitive just to fill in time. My friends, in the moment, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's how fast we'd be gone. What a wonderful and glorious hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The presence of a door. The power of of His voice. And thirdly, back in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, please turn with me there, the promise of deliverance. The promise of deliverance. The Bible says in verse number 1, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, remember, what do things which must be hereafter refer to? Not the past, not the present, but the future. From Revelation chapter 6 and beyond, if you read there, my friends, you will read details that are too horrible and too amazing to understand, too impossible to comprehend. In chapter 6, we witness a... If you read the chapter, you'll witness a vivid description of... Of the absolutely catastrophic events of the tribulation period. And no doubt it's significant that John is called up to the throne room of God before the tribulation begins. That's why this verse is so important. That's why we must not understand what we're reading a verse of transition. You see, John's experience represents our experience when we as Christians are removed from the world before the tribulation begins. And that's exactly what the rapture is. It is a rescue mission. It is a promise of deliverance. Deliverance from what? From what? Well, First Thessalonians chapter 5, almost let it slip. What are we delivered from? The promise of deliverance. Well, have a look in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. Let's read it aloud together, shall we? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. On 2, 1, 2. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there is a terrible, terrible time in the Bible that is coming in world history. It is coming. It is a time unlike any other has ever been or ever will be again. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. Keep in mind what you've just read. Revelation chapter number 6, please. How is this time described in chapter 6? Notice verse 14. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of, the, out of places. Can you imagine? Every mountain in the world and every island in the sea, and that includes Mauritius, is moved out out of their places. Have you ever seen anything like that? Only on the screen, perhaps. Some Hollywood film tries tries to depict the the end days. It's nothing like that at all. Far, far worse. Notice verse number 15. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? What is this last day described as in verse 17? The great day of his wrath. But child of God, be comforted. Be greatly assured that God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The great day of His wrath. That's what the tribulation is called. It's also called the time of Jacob's trouble. Why? Because God will deal with the nation of Israel and bring them back to Himself and then God will also deal with the unbelieving Gentile world and souls will be saved. The church is not there. The church age saints are gone. We will not be on earth asking for the mountains and the rocks to fall upon us because the wrath of the Lamb is coming down upon our heads. What an unbelievable, ridiculous thought. Absolutely not. Christ is coming for His own. Amen. Amen? We are not going through the tribulation. Now here's an interesting thought I've been pondering for a little while: When a nation is about to declare war on another foreign nation, before they do, who do they first pull out? Who is it? They what? They're ambassadors. Now, that's interesting because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled back to God. Until Christ comes, our job is to tell others in His place to come to God, to come to salvation quickly before it's too late. But listen, just at the moment that Christ will reveal His wrath upon the earth, Before that happens, we will be taken away. His ambassadors will be gone. The bridegroom will come for his bride. There's another illustration for another time. But we will not be here. You see, during the tribulation, we will not be his witnesses. The time for the gospel in the church age is now. And those in the book of the Revelation that become his witnesses are no other than none other than the nation of Israel themselves. 144,000 flaming evangelists will spread across the world preaching the gospel to the unbelieving Gentiles and millions, yes, will be saved, but it won't be you and I preaching the gospel. We'll be gone. You see, Revelation 4 and verse 1 is a wonderful reminder that we will be delivered from wrath. Not only that, but we will be delivered into His presence. Where did John go immediately? Immediately, verse number 2, if you will. Revelation chapter 4. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat upon the throne. Where was John? He was in heaven. He was before the very throne of God. What a wonderful type, what a wonderful picture, what a wonderful representation of the experience of the church age saint. Amen? You and I at the time of the rapture. The Bible says not only will there be an escape from wrath, but there will be an entrance unto the Lord. Don't forget the rapture isn't just about escaping the wrath to come. My friends, it's the most exciting truth. So shall we ever be with the Lord. so shall we ever be with the Lord. Christian, when we pass from this world, we're going home. We are going home. When that door is open in heaven, we go to the place that the Lord Jesus Christ promised us. Do you remember what he said in John chapter 14? He promised to prepare a place for us and he's preparing it and it's ready and that's where we'll be going. Amen? We won't watch our homes crumbling around us in the wrath of the Lamb. We will see our mansions in heaven and enter therein with joy. And what's most precious is who we will be with. We will be with the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. We will see His nail-pierced hands. We will see His nail-pierced feet. We will see His arms that carried us all through our lives, whether we recognise them or not. We will see His altogether lovely face and yes, we will hear His voice that called us home. Christian, there will be no more sin, there will be no more sorrow, but eternal joy in the presence of the Lord. Therefore, the Bible tells us, comfort one another with these words. You see, the rapture is a wonderful comfort for the believer. There's no comfort in believing we'll go through the tribulation. How would those verses comfort us? Not at all. Comfort one another with these words. Why? Because we are delivered from the wrath to come and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Christian, are you comforted this morning? Are you comforted to know that Christ is coming for you? Are you comforted to know that you have a home prepared in heaven? Well, I trust you are. Let not your heart be troubled. The Lord said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am ye may be also. That was John's experience. And that will be our experience. The wonderful promise of deliverance into his presence. Well, these truths ought to motivate us to live for God. 1 John chapter 2 verse 28, please. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. I'll close with this verse. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. The Bible says, "And now, little children, abide in him." To abide means to be with, to remain close to. Abide in Him that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You see, Christ's sudden, any moment, imminent return motivates us to live for the Lord, motivates us not to give up, amen? Amen. Motivates us not to be downcast and discouraged and and full of fears and, and woe in our day. No, it motivates us to keep living for God because at any moment He may come. And we do not want to be ashamed at His coming, do we? Absolutely not. You might say, Brother James, I just feel so restricted with all the restrictions. Now listen, all the Lord wants you to do is simply to be faithful Christ wants to rejoice as you enter into heaven and proclaim well done thou good and faithful servant are you being faithful in what God has given you to do and what God has called you to do as a Christian are you being faithful in the little things amen that's where we need to start and if we are When he comes, we will not be ashamed. But listen, if you are a child of God and you are no longer abiding in him and you are choosing to be unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that if we are not abiding in him at his coming, we will be ashamed. We will be ashamed. What a horror! What a terrible thing. Because the first thing that you and I would want to do before the Lord Jesus Christ as Christians is to thank Him and to praise Him and to embrace Him. And in that moment, the greatest moment of our lives, we won't be able to do that, first of all, because we'll be ashamed. Do you see that this morning? Christian, do you see that? Ashamed at His coming. Do you want to be ashamed of the Lord's coming? I don't want to be ashamed of the Lord's coming. We need to abide in Him in these days, brethren. We need to stay faithful. Amen? Don't lose the plot in 2020. Amen? Now more than ever, we need to abide in Him. Well, as we go back to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, the question for you and I is this. Are we in this verse. My friend, if you're here this morning listening in, are you in this verse? John was called up to heaven and one day every saved child of God will be called up to. Will you be in that number? Now, if you are, Christian, rejoice and tell someone else this week. Tell someone else to come before it's too late. My friend, will you Be caught up or will you be left behind? Now, if you're not sure, you need to make sure. The door of salvation is still open. If you're not sure, come to the Lord Jesus Christ today before it's too late, before the door of salvation is closed. Come to Christ. My friend, what has the Lord said to your heart this morning? I trust you have that blessed hope. Let us encourage each other this morning with these things. My friends, we have hope more than anyone else. And why should we be afraid? Why should we be worried about the future? Why should we be in hiding? Why should we remain silent we must not this is the revelation of the rapture and we need to be ready for his coming